0: Ladies and gentlemen, I'm very honored to say these words. Welcome in Naismith Basketball Hall of Famer, Nancy Lieberman, to episode nine of Inside Buzz. Nancy was a college phenom at Old Dominion and was a two-time Olympic medalist. She then played for the Los Angeles Lakers Summer Pro League team in 1980. Yes, the Los Angeles Lakers, where she was the only woman to play amongst all men. She also played in many basketball leagues in the 1980s and in 1997, she joined the WNBA for its inaugural season. She was 39 years old, the oldest player in the league, and then, at age 50, years later, she came back to the WNBA where she again was the oldest player in the league and she broke her own record. She broke many barriers in her career, including being the only woman to be the coach of a professional men's basketball team. She's also the second woman in NBA history to be an assistant coach. She was an assistant with Sacramento in 2015. Today, she's a New Orleans Pelicans broadcaster and also a championship winning head coach in the Big Three. I also gotta give a special shout out to my guy, Oliver Maroney, for setting this one up. He's a staple in the Big Three and a staple in all of his success so far. Thanks, Oliver, I appreciate it.
1: Oliver's a good guy. Oh yeah. You know, we we gotta all be there for each other. That's how you learn. You'll be doing this for somebody one day.
0: So Nancy, let's jump right into the Big Three. What changes are you most excited for in
1: 2020? Well, I love the fireball. Uh, I think that's, you know, that's mano a mano. That's uh, what we've always, we actually grew up playing fireball one-on-one, you know, to keep the court, one-on-one to see who's better, who's got more juice, uh, as they might say. You know, Ice Cube is so innovative and in the fact that he grew up playing the game and he knows how the game should be played. So that's exciting. I'm, I'm also glad that uh, we're playing, you know, all our games here um, in, in the U.S. for our fans and, and to also have younger players integrate with us.
0: So you've been around many leagues, the WNBA, NBA and, you know, everywhere. What's different about the big three and how Ice Cube and Jeff lead it?
1: Basketball is a universal sport. And yes, I have coached and played the WNBA and coached in the G League and uh, coached in the NBA as an assistant with the Kings. But this league there's, has everything for everyone. If you're a fan of the game, the really cool part about it is it's current players, it's players that your grandfather liked, it's players that your daddy or your mommy liked, and it has something for everybody. It's very family-oriented and, and valued. Uh, you'll see Dr. J. You'll see Hall of Famers. You'll see people like myself, or Lisa Leslie, or Gary Payton. Um, so many other coaches, Rick Barry, and we'll stop and we'll sign autographs. Or we'll stop and uh, we'll give you a hug or a high five and take a picture. We're not in a hurry. Uh, we we value the fans and we we value the competition. But when we get in that game to 50 points. Um, yeah, you have a predator's mentality. You got a little mamba in you. And
0: for Team Power, the team that you won the championship with, what made that team so special?
1: Chemistry. And the other thing you also have to do is have uh, the blessing of health. So our first year, we were relatively injury-free. And in year two, you know, we, we, just, we were 5-0. and 0. We had beat the triplets. And um, Birdman tears his ACL. Boy, Maggette, you know, has a bad hamstring. He missed the first five games of the year. Uh, one of the the biggest, oh my gosh, uh, losing Catino Mobley. Um, you know, he tore his quad. Quentin Richardson uh, turned his ankle and it looked like uh, a waiver wire. You know, we were bringing up, and we we're very fortunate to have Michael Thompson play for us and Julian Wright and, you know, uh, Pargo, Jeremy Pargo, who is just a, a great, great person. It, it was just hard to find that same chemistry and bond that we had that first year. And if you can stay healthy, you have a chance.
0: For your time in the, in the NBA and now with the Big Three, have you always gotten the respect from the male players? Uh, yes, I have
1: uh, from, from day one. I mean, I've done, I've done my work. You know, I've been at this, you know, not for six weeks. I've been at this for, you know, 45 years. And I'm just like they are, and they know that I'm a gym rat. I love the game. Uh, I loved it so much that I wanted to stay involved through coaching or doing TV. As I, You know, I, I do the TV for the New Orleans Pelicans. So you have that guy named Zion, I
0: think. Oh, I know, I know Zion. I know that guy.
1: Uh, so, you know, you, you have Brandon Ingram, and you have Lazo Ball, and you have Juhai and So it keeps me close to the game, but it's it's fantastic when players come up and, you know, they give you a hug or they call you a legend or a and It's almost embarrassing, but it's pretty cool that uh, the young guys and the old guys get it.
0: And I, I didn't even have Zion in my questions, but we, we have to speak about him because you see him night in and night out. What's it like to be around him all the time?
1: a really nice guy and he's he's very humble uh he's very confident don't mistake his nice smile uh for not wanting to you know come right at you and be better than you think about it at every level they've said zion can't do this you know he can't play that way in high school well he did he can play that way, certainly uh, in the acc in college but he did he's not going to be able to play that i mean these grown men are going to you know push him around well, I haven't seen that yet, you know, in 11 games. Uh, it, it's been unbelievable what he's been able to do, you know, 22 points a game, seven rebounds. It, it's it's kind of cool to, to see somebody like that. And, uh, and you know, somebody like Zion, he knows about the big three. I mean, I can remember being on the court and Teresa Weatherspoon was there and Zion came over and he goes, hey, coach, I'm like, hi. And the irony is we have the same uh, attorney. <laughs> you know, I it. it You know, when I was 25 years old, you know, I had Jeff Klein at Wild Gotcha. Now, Wild Gotcha, Jeff Klein is Zion. So there was a little, you know, family connection. You know, I mean, the questions are that I get, look what he's doing at 19 years old. Nancy, you were in the Olympics at 18. So, you know, you both know what it's like to have had success at a young age when people, I'm sure he had a lot of Zion camp moments that he obliterated. And I had a lot of Nancy Camp moments, and it continues to where we are today. You know, Nancy can't coach or women can't coach men. Look what Becky's doing. You know, look at the women of the NBA. Look what Lisa and myself have been able, you know, to do um, in, in the, the big three. But it's the respect of our, our bosses. It's a respect of the media. It's a respect to the league. Um, I'm not the flavor of the month. I've been at this for a long time, mm-hmm. and I appreciate the kindness.
0: And you know, as we speak, the the Kobe Bryant memorial is going on. And I read, I think, in TMZ and all over the internet, you spoke to Kobe the night before, and you're supposed to train, Gigi. You know, a short time after that, can you can you backtrack to that phone call and then hearing the news?
1: Sure. Um, Friday night, I'm in the studio getting ready to do the TV with. Um, I'm in the studio here in Dallas doing the Pelicans game. So there's guys that are doing the, the Spurs game and Nuggets game or Oklahoma City. And um, they're sitting in some cubes. There's TVs all over the wall. And I don't know if it was Greg Buckner or who it was. And somebody said, hey, can you believe Kobe said women can play in the NBA? And I kind of popped my head up and I go, hello, I'm still here. And they turned around and we started laughing because we're all great friends. And I was like, guys, I had to play against you in my prime, you know, from 25 to 35, I was playing against you because I didn't have a WNBA. I was a 39 year old rookie in, in 1997. And so we started talking. So I was just goofing around and I said, well, let's, let's ask Kobe what he thinks since we're talking. So I texted him it was like seven o'clock at night he texts me right back and i'll look I'll, I'll pull up my text right now because i'll never get rid of it and the cool thing about him is he was always honest and that's what i loved about about kobe and i said to him you know you want to talk about women in the nba and he says yes and i said when he says now and you know he hits me back with they absolutely could reporter was acting like they couldn't doesn't mean they need to but blank The level of respect because they're women, so normal. Dudes think they can overpower them is BS and frustrating as hell. The NBA players would get served, let alone some normal weekend warrior as Joe. And we just kept going, you know. I mean, uh, the thread just kept going. And then finally he says, you know, you want to come out next week and coach Gianna's team? And I said, yes, when? And in typical Kobe fashion, we practice every night. I fly to do an appearance that I've been scheduled for six, seven months to do in uh, Indian Wells, California. And I got there Saturday, and late Saturday night, I get a phone call from Kobe. And he's like, hey, let's firm up, you know, Mr. Detail, let's firm up the plans can you come when can you come i said i can i can come tuesday wednesday or thursday because then i have tv he says wednesday i said great uh he says you'll you'll come to la uh, you'll come to the house we'll grab some food we'll get John we'll take the the helicopter over and he goes you have as long as you want you and i just on the court with them and i was like cool So I said, okay, I I started looking up some flights. I said, I'll let you know Monday, because I knew I was coming home Monday morning. I said, I'll let you know Monday and I'll get the address and we'll get it all locked up. I told my son TJ who's playing uh, professionally in Tel Aviv. I talked to Kobe tonight and he's like, why are you talking to Kobe? And he was like, it's none of your business. (laughs) And uh, I said, you know, he wants me to come in and put Gianna's team to practice with him. But I didn't have the plan. That later, subsequently, I had the next night with him. So I'm at this conference and I sit in the last row. There's like 700 people there, last row, first seat, because I hate being like trapped like a rat. And I, I have the attention span of a fly. So if I need to walk out or just, I can't sit through two hours of presentation. I swear to God, I turn my phone on vibrate. And I guess I did not had my phone been on vibrate while my son was calling me I would have been in this conference for two hours and he he thought I was on the helicopter that crashed so had I not picked up my phone he would have thought something happened to me this is how God works in my life so I pick up the phone it's TJ and it's ringing loud and I run out the back of the, the ballroom and I go TJ he was mother mother i go yeah he goes mom sit down i go tj what's wrong he goes mother sit down you haven't heard have you i go tj you haven't heard what he goes mom kobe's helicopter crashed and he died and i thought you were on it i these secret service guys were you could i was like i couldn't breathe and I, 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 it was so hard for me just to stand there because I, I couldn't, it was a dream. These three guys ran over. I hear somebody say, it's Ms. Lieberman. They grabbed me and they, they like carry me to a room and set me down. I mean, I was hyperventilating. I was bawling so bad. You, <sighs> he was such um, an amazing human being and um he had time for everybody i mean when i was at the u.s open in september he flipped the coin to open the matches um on monday and i was flipping the coin to open the matches on tuesday and so i texted him i'm like are you still here he goes yeah i said i'm flipping the coin tomorrow and he goes yeah it's kind of fun i go i'm going behind the back he goes really I said, Oh, I'm sorry. Did you just flip it in front of you? Like, (laughs) so, so, you know, knowing the way Kobe is, you know, we were just having fun and, um, and then like the body issue came out, you know, in ESPN, he goes, you're doing it again. Really our bond happened in 19 in 2008. So, you know, in 97, you know, I played in the, the Phoenix Mercury in the WNBA at 39, 38. In 2008, I played you know, for Detroit um, at the age of 50. So after I played, the game was on you know, ESPN national TV. I go to my real job working for ESPN and I'm doing the Laker game with Ben Gundy and Mark Jackson. And we finished doing our work with uh, Phil Jackson and I'm walking down the hall and Kobe goes, hey. And I'm like, hi. And he goes, you got a minute? I said, of course. And he went in this room and we sat down and he goes, okay, why would you play at 50? (laughs) What did you do? How did you eat? Were you nervous? Were you not? I was like, Whoa. I said, didn't you just win the MVP and like championship the beauty of Kobe? He was one of the most curious people and he didn't care that I was a 50 year old white woman. He wanted to pick my brain and put it in his think tank. Like, at the end of my career he was storing up information but he wanted to know how i slept how i ate what my support system was like um he 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 was pretty amazing he was genuinely um he was motivated uh because he couldn't believe he said you know vanessa and my daughter we, we we watched this he was so proud um and he used to call me, you know how like you have nicknames of people that you'll never share, like Vanessa shared today. Of course, of course. Nicknames. At, at 50, he used to call me uh, the Mama Mamba. <laughs> it, it, because I was, you know, I was a mom. You know, we both had that, you know, kind of predator mentality. And he even asked me like, when, at, at the height of my career, like, what were you like? And I said, well, honestly, I wanted to keep people's, you know, behind. I hope they looked at the schedule and went, oh my gosh. You know, because we we wanted to physically, mentally, and emotionally, I hate to say it, uh, it it is ladylike, destroy you. We wanted to be predators. We wanted to beat you before we got on the court with you. Because that was to our advantage. And that's who I grew up playing, you know, in, in, in Rucker Park and, you know, as a young person, always getting my behind, you know, knocked around by guys. When I played for Pat Riley in 1980, I played for the Lakers in, the, in the, their summer league. It was his first coaching. And three hours later, these guys beat the crap out of me. And, and Pat told me this later, you know, probably 2015 at the NBA coaching symposium. He, you know, all the assistant coaches, all the head coaches, GMs, etc., were there. And he's the keynote. And he's, I'm sitting with Nick Nurse. And I have my like, you know iPad and I'm filming Pat Riley. I don't even know what he's going to talk about, but I'm filming all the speakers. And all of a sudden he goes, "Yep, so my first coaching job I I, I am doing Summer League and Jerry West and you know um uh, you know he calls me into the office. It you know um with Jerry Buss and he says, "You have a new player coming in tomorrow." And he goes, "I don't want a new player. I have my first practice I had the guys up against the wall where they were stretching and I told them, this is it. This is a team. And Dr. Buss says, you got a player coming in tomorrow. Her name's Nancy Lieberman. He goes, I don't want her here. I told the guys, this is serious. So he's sharing this story, you know, with everybody uh, at the Clippers training facility. So he said in his mind's eye, I didn't look like his next point guard. You know, He was thinking magic, not lady magic. So he tells a story where every time he, he said, hey, I need five guys on the court, I would run out on the court. And he would look at the other coaches like, what the hell is she doing? So I would get repetition, I'd mess up, then he'd correct me, I would get more reps, I'd understand what he was looking for, and then I'd walk off the court And look at my teammates and say hey if you don't know how to do that i do i'd be happy to help you so i was 22 years old practice is over they go in the coach's locker room and and of course i didn't know this until 2015 he looks at mike tebow and his other assistants and goes who the hell does she think she is she acts like she's the best player on the team she you know the guys You know, they kicked her behind, they knocked her down, she never cried, and she tried to start two fist fights. (laughs) And he goes, What are we gonna do with her? And he kept I'm sitting with Nick and I kept going, like, he goes, Isn't that right, Nancy? And I move the iPad and go, Um, he says four days later she was my starting point guard. Every player on the team deferred to her. He goes, Isn't that right? And I go. So it was really cool. So this is what Kobe and I were talking about. I had to play for the Lakers. I had to play for the Jazz and Frank Layton in 87. I played two years in the United States Basketball League, which was equivalent to the NBA G League, because I didn't have a place to play. Those experiences really helped me and made me mentally tough, which in turn became uh, the Mama Mamba, which I guess I never really thought I would share with anybody.
0: To stay on that topic with, about Gigi, I mean, her highlights at a very young age were all over social media. Her post fadeaways, just like her dad.
1: What did you see in her game? It was great to see uh, her footwork. See, he mastered footwork and balance. You know, everybody used to talk about, or we used to talk about, you know, the quality of your shot is determined by the quality of your feet. And If you have great footwork, you're going to have great balance. If you are great balance, you'll be able to take it to the top. And he was, you know, maniacal teaching footwork and balance. And he, t- you know, t- to teach it to your, your baby, your prodigy at, you know, 8, 9, 10, 11 years old, the spin move, the precision coming out of the spin, um, you know, it, it was pretty unbelievable. And, uh, you know, I had met Gigi, you know, at the Final Four. We sat together a couple years ago. And you could just see her development. But her confidence is the thing that kind of struck me. It wasn't arrogance. It was this real confidence in what she was, was doing, but she was so loved.
0: Women have taken many steps over the past two decades in sports. What else do you want to see from women in sports going forward?
1: Equality. It's as simple as that. You know, uh, I can remember when I was signing my contract in the big three, it was almost like, tell your, tell your agent, he's not going to have to negotiate. I was like, what do you mean? He goes, you will be the highest paid coach in the big three. You will make what Dr. J makes. You'll make what Gary Payton makes. You'll make what Rick Mahorn or Rick Barry. I mean, that's unbelievable that it was just said before it was like, oh yeah, my agent, you know, at Octagon, he's gonna, you know, he's gonna negotiate hard for me. But it was amazing that that wasn't the negotiating point. It was such a respect, and every sin, every step of the way that I have been in the big three, it's always been about equality. You know, uh, it's equality, it's inclusion, it's opportunity. And I think it was some. I, I probably have the text somewhere. Uh, a couple of weeks after we won the championship in uh, in New York, uh, you know, Cube texted me, and he goes something. I, I'm paraphrasing, but something like, "NL, are you ever scared?" And I said, "No, I'm only scared when people won't give me opportunity." And you gave me an opportunity, and I wanted so hard to to make him proud. So, I mean, for me. Uh, There was a lot of things attached to that championship. Seeing my players, the happiness they had, having their families involved, running around our locker room. Uh, The class of the men that I got to coach, you know, the MVP, the captain Cormiggetti and Catino Mobley and Birdman, uh, Big Baby Davis, Quentin Richardson. It was amazing to have those guys on our team. And they made me a better coach.
0: How can the WNBA become what the NBA is today?
1: Time is our greatest ally. You know, the NBA has been here, what, 75 or so years? And the WNBA is 22 or 23 years in. Uh, First of all, the athletes we have in the WNBA right now are absolutely phenomenal. And they're great women. Uh, they understand the history of the game, where we came from, but they also understand they're the gatekeepers of the game, and they have to take us to the next level. The same way, you know, Kuzi and Bill Russell and Havlicek and Walt Frazier, Willis Reed, those guys took this to another level. There was Jordan's era, then there was Kobe's era, then there's LeBron's era. Now, you know, it's it's Zion, and every every. Every group has to take ownership of what they're doing, but have respect uh, for where they came from. That's going to be the same way in the WNBA. There's just, I have so much respect for, you know, Tarasi and Reiner and, you know, when Maya Moore was playing, Deladon, uh, you know, Katie Lou Samuelson, who's now going to be playing in Dallas with, with the Wings. And so many, many more players. I mean, I, I could spend a, a half hour mentioning the greatness of the WME players and how much they dedicate themselves, you know, to the future of the game. We have a new commissioner, Kathy Engelbert. Uh, it's the first time we've ever had somebody commissioner. Usually, it was the president of the league. She's our first commissioner, and we've had some, you know, darn good presidents. So uh, the growth is on the uptick, you can see the investment by ESPN, by CBS, uh, by Adam Silver, uh, you know, who's the greatest commissioner in sports, you know, he he really gets this and wants to help, you know, kind of usher it in with another level of prosperity and opportunity.
0: Who are some of those women... Yes, you mentioned those women in the WNBA, but who are some of the coaches, just from your time in 40 years of basketball, that you've gained so much respect for?
1: Obviously, Pat Summit. Um, uh, I'll probably age myself here, but in 1975 and 76, when I was a junior and senior in high school, and I'm still the youngest Olympic basketball player ever, male and female, Pat was my teammate. Is that crazy? When we won the gold medal at the Pan Ams and the silver in Montreal at the Olympics. So she was my teammate, and then to have her with me as a as a kid, and she was toughening me up every day in practice. You know, I was New York strong, and she was country strong, and we'd have to guard each other and battle with each other all the time. And she was fierce, and uh, you know Kathy Rush, another Hall of Famer. Um, I have had so many coaches like Jody Conrad that coached me on a usa team i i you know i admire tara vanderveer uh for what she's done for the game gino has been a good friend for many many years and my own marianne stanley who's a hall of famer she's won three championships as a coach at the ncaa you know collegiate level she won three championships at immaculata as a player and now she just won this championship with the Washington Mystics and with Mike Thibault and uh, the amazing MVP, Elena Donne, So she's, um, I think you'd call it a winner. And I had her three, uh, three of my four years in college and we went one back to back national championships know, we were 72 and two my last year. And I think 104 and six my last three years. It's crazy, right?
0: Incredible. And you know, you took that jump right out of college to pursue a career in basketball what did what did your family think of this like your parents and siblings if you have any what was the word going around about your decision
1: he's crazy um what's wrong with her you know those type of things because you really didn't see any women at that time we we barely had gender equity and scholarships in college you know when i was young and i was a poor kid growing up in new york with you know no father no food no heat no electricity um I was tired of being bullied by people telling me, you know, that I'll never make anything of myself. And, you know, I'm not a victim of my circumstances. I'm I'm a victor because, you know, we didn't have what we have today. Like I had hoped to play in the NBA when I was younger. I never even thought about a WNBA. Young girls today, like Gigi, and all those other young girls, their goal is to play college. USA basketball and then play in the Olympics, and um, then there's a, a WNBA for them. If you're really good and you're really dedicated, and you stay healthy, that is an option. And I mean, it's it's grown exponentially now with the new collective bargaining agreement, more money, more benefits, and you know, slowly but surely we're getting there. But it, you know, it's going to take time, but the players today, they're changing it for the players that are going to be there, you know, in 20 years.
0: And when when you were a young player, who were some of those players you looked up to? Because you said you wanted to make the NBA. That was your goal.
1: Well, Walt Frazier um, was my basketball hero. I wore number 10 my entire career because of Walt Frazier. And um, he was just kind of cool, did things on the court, played defense. Uh, he and Willis Reed with the New York Knicks. Uh, I always wanted to be the captain because Willis was the captain. And then, of course, Dr. J., what can you say? He's a Hempstead guy, and um, he, you know, played for the Nets in the ABA before he went over uh, to Philadelphia with the 76ers. But I remember my neighbor, uh, Eric and Mark Munson, they lived in Far Rockaway, and they said they were going up to Dr. J.'s basketball camp, so they took me. I was 14 years old. So I get to camp and Daryl Dawkins is there and of course, Doc is there. And you know, I meet him, I shake his hand and you know, he patted me on the head. He goes, now you play, you work hard on your game. You'll be really good one day. And I was like, okay. He said, now work hard. Well, the next year I was 15, I come back to his camp and I go, hi, you know, flaming red hair. I go, do you remember me, you hit me on the head and you said that I should, uh, you know, really play hard. And I go, I did, we won the gold medal at the Pan Am games. And he went, What? I said, you told me I should be great. So we won the medal. And I'm I'm like, I'm only in high school. And he I, I show him the medal. And he goes, You made the USA team? <laughs> I said, you told me to play hard, so I played against gods. And and you know, I got black eyes and they hit me and they knocked me down. Okay, Julius and I have been friends since that day.
0: So have you brought that up to him recently or, you know, over the years? I'm sure you have.
1: It was crazy because you, you, you want to know how many players I've pat on the head? You know who came to my basketball camp in, in 1998, 99? Al Horford. I had my basketball camp when I was coaching in Detroit. And Tito, his, you know, his father brought him to camp. So I give him the – the same thing okay now you work hard well now he's a, you know he's an all-star was an all-star when he was younger i had just graduated old dominion and the men's basketball coach uh coach webb says hey can you come back and do this for me and i go yeah so there's this young kid and i go come on out here I go, what's your name he goes so i said so come on out here man so we start playing we start doing drills together and i Pat him on the head. I go, now you work hard. You're going to be really good. You have a lot of talent. It's Alonzo morning. <laughs> how great is that? Is is
0: everything you touch gold? Is, is that how it works? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um,
1: but, I, you know, I'm so proud of so many of these guys. And, you know, I'm proud of my son, TJ. Who was least likely? And this is a mom in me, okay? Well, you know, one of the reasons I came out of retirement in '97 was, be, yeah, was because she's yeah, '97 was because I was sitting with Magic at the Olympics in '96. We're in in uh, Atlanta, and he looked at me and he goes, "Hey, you are you going to play in the WMA next year?" And I said, "I don't know, you know, I mean, I'm going to be 39." And he looked at me he goes, "Nancy, I have never heard you say no. Are you going to play or not?" So that was good, so I went home, I go in the kitchen, I'm back in Dallas, and I said, TJ, what does mom do for a living? And he was three. He goes, you're my mommy. I go, no, I don't do that for a living. What does mommy do? TV, no son, that's not what mommy does. She's a basketball player, and mommy's coming out of retirement. I said, go in the other room and tell your father. So he goes in the other room to Tim, tim 6 eight. And he goes, Daddy, Mom's coming out of retirement. <laughs> <laughs> and, and Tim comes out, and they're walking in, and TJ is holding his hand and looking up. He goes, Are we in trouble? And then I go, Tim, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this, but I need, I need your support. That's, and I started training. I mean, I trained so hard. To come out of retirement. And, you know, in this very visual society, as you know, the first, like there could be a beautiful woman, maybe not as beautiful woman, skinny, maybe a little heavy, but visually we go towards that person. Now this person could be horrible and this one could be the saint. So the first thing I had to do was to walk in a gym and I needed people to look at my body and go, oh my gosh, she had to do something to look like that. So, I wanted to show my discipline and my dedication, and that I didn't take it for granted that I was a Hall of Famer or I was Nancy Lieberman. I wanted to earn the right to play. And it was like, it doesn't matter where, I'll go to any tryout you want. And, um, you know, it, it was nice because I was drafted in the elite draft with the Mercury.
0: And how, how was that training on your body at 39 and then again at 50?
1: 39 was, uh, it wasn't hard. I, I really, I. I felt like I was in great shape mentally, you know, physically, how I ate, how I took care of myself. 50 was, I mean, I knew a year before that, that I was gonna come play because Lambeer had asked me if I would consider that. So I trained really hard for that also. But I think, you know, your body's just a little bit more broken down at 50 than it was at, at, you know, 39 years old. And uh, I was just really proud Uh, Proud to go out there, proud to play hard. I think I played nine or 10 minutes. And it just, I wanted to inspire people that you can do anything you want if you believe in in it. And you know, Ali, who was my lifelong friend, Muhammad Ali, my hero. and, And at 19, he told me, respect everybody, but fear nobody. And I always, That was my mamba mentality at 19 years old. And that's how I thought, if I do the work, if I'm healthy, I can do anything. And then, you know, again, you don't know who you're influencing, but Kobe Bryant. David Stern called me the morning that I played in Phoenix opening night. And he was genuinely uh, emotionally moved because he had asked me in 1984 to come to new york i didn't know david stern i was what 24 25 he was the new commissioner new guy had a vision you know it's funny i was watching some of the women talk about you know david after he passed and talked about what he did in 97 in 1984 i was in his office and he looked at me, and he closed the door. And I go, "Why'd you close the door?" He goes, "Cause I just got the job and don't want to get fired." I go, "Why would they fire you?" He said, "Before I'm done with the NBA, there's going to be a WNBA." And he says, "I have one hope." And I said, "What's that?" He says, "I hope that you'll still be around to play in it." And I was like, "I'm 25. Of course I will." Like it didn't compute what he was saying, but think about that—you know—stretch of time. I mean. Abner Double Day starts Major League Baseball. Abe Saperstein starts you know, NBA basketball. Who starts a league, especially a women's league? So his vision to change culture, to, think, to change how people think for equality. But David did that all over the world. And we just had to be the beneficiary of that.
0: Is broadcasting and coaching what you want to do moving forward? Or is there something else that you want to accomplish in your iconic life?
1: This is how I see it. The greatest thing you can do is play the game. The second greatest thing you can do is be in the foxhole and coach because you get to be with guys, change their, guys or gals, change their life and help them get to those precious second, third, and maybe fourth contracts. You've had a full career if you've gotten to your fourth contract uh, in both the WNBA and the NBA. If you don't want to do that, then broadcast the game because you get to hype the game that brought you, you know, so much joy and financial success, and you just actually loved it, and I've had a chance to do all three, So I, I still, like I get up every day, and I, I can't wait to get on Synergy. I can't wait to, to watch games like TJ played today. Uh, he's playing the Eurobasket. And uh, he's on the Israeli national team. And uh, they beat Poland the other day. They beat uh, Bulgaria today. And now they're advancing. So I I get on Synergy and I start pulling game film. And why some moms are, you know, looking for recipes. There's nothing bad with that either. So I'm already trying to break down what team power is going to look like next year. And I'm already in touch with my players just to find, what do you need? How can I help you? I love that. Um, so when I get tired of coaching, you know, with the grace of God, uh, I can still do broadcasting because I think it's awesome.
0: And Nancy, to finish, what are some words of advice for a woman in sports trying to break through?
1: Never stop working, wanting, or dreaming. It's everything is possible but you 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 have to love you and believe in you before somebody else can. And it's really important. You, you must prepare yourself for your moment. It will happen.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, the Hall of Famer, Nancy Lieberman, Nancy, thank you for coming on. it was It was a pleasure to have you.
1: Thank you so much. It's good luck with the show.
0: and personally thank you so much you know I'm, I'm only 20 years old and to have you on my show it's it's incredible and I'm taking all those words that you just said to heart in my career so thank you so much you,
1: you can do it and don't let anybody tell you you can't um, you know what the, the naysayers are those are the people who have never done anything in their life and they want to hold you back because they can not get to that next level mm-hmm. um, and people will champion you. If you do your, your homework and, and prepare, you'll be championed by somebody. And then, you know, when you're 35, you'll be helping some 20-year-old who's in college. Yeah. Are you from college
0: now? Yeah. I, you know, I'm actually from Long Island. I was going to mention that. I'm, I go to uh, LIU Post on Long yeah. Island. So.
1: We, uh, we used to play pickup out there at, uh, at Post. It's cool. Mm-hmm. It, I'm so glad. I mean, nothing better than being in New York.
0: Yeah, and you know, I got all my social media stuff, so Oliver's going to get me in when uh, the big three comes to Brooklyn. So maybe I'll, uh, I'll meet you in person there, right? You'll definitely meet me. Make sure you come
1: say hi, okay?